his true, pleasing, and perfect will. But this requires a shift in our thinking, a shift in our perspective. It requires us to put him first, to put his ways first, to do things in obedience to him first, above all else. We also see Paul writing in Corinthians, and it's interesting, it's in 2 Corinthians, his second letter to them. And he's, he's writing to them, just setting some context for the, for the letter. He's dealing with an issue where they had promised to give, and they hadn't fulfilled that. They promised to, to help give money um, to uh, Jerusalem, which is that moment where the Lord's people in Jerusalem who were experiencing famine at that time. And so they hadn't fulfilled that, so he was actually sending Titus and some other people back to, to collect the money that they said they were going to give. And this is what he writes in the letter that he sends to them. Starting in verse 8, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's writing from there. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. That's pretty incredible. And actually in verse 4 it says, actually they begged to be able to give. So, Paul's presenting this. He's saying, look, this Macedon, to, to the Corinthian church, saying, look, the Macedonian church, this is what they've done. So then if we skip down to verse 7, he says to the, he's, to the Corinthian church, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. He writes and says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So, you know, here's Paul. He's like, look, these Macedonians and their poverty are giving. The Corinthian church was not poor. They actually had an abundance at that point in time. And, and Paul addresses this a few lines down. He says, look, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Paul's quoting Exodus. He's quoting what happened when God provided manna and people went out and they would collect their manna. And then when they would go and they'd weigh it, the, each person, even whether they collected little or a lot, they had exactly what they needed, it says in Exodus. And he's, he's drawing them this picture, this reminder to what happened there, right? Where God provided. He led his people out into the desert. They're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? We're going to starve to death here. And every morning, God provided this food for them every day. Every day. And they always had exactly what they needed. They were always provided for. 
You know, they didn't chase after what they needed. Even in their rebellious state for those 40 years in the desert, God provided for them. Even though he'd said, look, I'm not letting you go into the promised land because you're so rebellious against me, you're going to die in the desert, but he fed them every day. You know, he didn't just go, I'm going to let you starve to death. He provided for them. He still, he still took care of them and just said, look, you're not getting into the promised land. Your descendants will. He provided for them. We see Jesus also reminding us in, in, in Matthew where he says in the Sermon on the Mount that you know, God lets the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, God is a good provider to all his creation. You know, he's a good provider to all his creation. And so if he can provide for all his creation, how much more will he provide for his adopted children? How much more will he provide for us? How much more can we trust him? In Corinthians 9, in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15, still the same thought. He's still talking about the same thing, this, this offering that, the, uh, that he's there to collect for the poor. And he says to them, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, when anyone talks to me in over the years, nothing, not a recent conversation, but over the many years, 20 years of, of ministry in different contexts, when people want to challenge you know, the idea of giving 10% is a, is a minimum. They bring up this scripture and they say, each, you know, should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion. And that is absolutely true. You know, you, it's absolutely true that you should give, you know, what's on your heart to give. And if your God is small and tiny, you know, a poor provider, then you should sow sparingly in accordance with how you see God. Jesus told parables about this. Right, the, the parable where of the talents, where people are given these different talents, and the one guy, you know, what the, the first two go out and multiply what's given, and the, the last person goes and buries what he's got in the sand, and then brings it back, and, and the person that gave it to him is like, no, what are you talking, what, what did, you did nothing with what I gave you. And it's like, well, yes, but I, I believed, you know, I know that you're a hard man, and so I didn't want to risk losing it, so I just went and buried it. He's like, well, if you knew that I was a hard man, then you at least should have taken and put it on, given it to the bankers and gained a bit of interest. But since that's what you've done with it, I'll take that and I'm going to throw you in jail. And when Jesus tells that parable, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. So if, if you've decided that God is small, that he's a bad provider, then so sparingly, so sparingly, in, in line with your faith, but I'd, I'd really challenge you this morning, question your faith. Ask God for more faith. If you don't actually believe, you know, that he will give you enough, that you can tithe, that that bare minimum we see in scripture is something you can live in, then your God is way too small. Your picture of God is so tiny. And we, we're, we're meant to live in so much more than that. We're lent to live, and, and this thing of confronting this thinking, and, you know, we saw in the report today, it's just amazing, is when people have been responding, and people have been stepping up in faith, and we're seeing this increase, which is amazing. 
pardon me. And, and it is. And thank you for those that have been responding and are growing in this. I just would say, may none of us ever stop. May none of us ever stop. You know, may we not go, okay, well, I've hit this minimum standard and, and now, uh, now that's, that's enough of my generosity. As we've been talking about, God provides everything for us. Our, every resource we have comes from him. And we're meant to live in this place of generosity. So Paul continues on in, in verse 8. And he says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. In verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this incredible gift. When we give, it results in thanksgiving. You know, it results in thanksgiving and praise. Because we were able to be generous with my time, it resulted in thanksgiving and praise in Poland. You know, in, in them being very grateful and them sending back their thanks for this community sowing me out there. You know, and being able to help them take the next steps in what it is they do. You know, as you are generous with your time, with your money, with your prayers, with your ministry, with everything, it results in thanksgiving and praise. It results in other people coming into the kingdom. It results in people being discipled. Our view of God needs to constantly expand until it completely encompasses our life. We've, we've got to see a God that as big as he really is. The one that created a universe that is so big we cannot comprehend it. And he cares. It says, he knows every hair on your head. As I like to say, he knows every hair that's fallen out of my head. <laughs> you know? And he cares about everything you need. If he can provide for his unrighteous children, how much more for his righteous? We need to position ourselves in faith. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we don't work. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, that we don't, we just sit back and hope that money falls in our lap. You know, sometimes there'll be gifts and surprises, and thank God for that. You know, and sometimes there'll be promotions, and sometimes there'll be new jobs and new opportunities. And sometimes for a season, we'll be in a place where, where there just, there isn't an increase, and we just have to thank God for that. And sometimes we'll be in a place of lack, and it'll be others will be supplying our needs when we're in that place of lack. And we got to rejoice in those circumstances as well. The same person that wrote this, Paul, also wrote, he's like, look, the reason I am happy in any circumstance, whether I am rich or whether I'm poor, whether all my needs are met or whether I'm in lack, 
is because I get, you know, everything, all my joy, it comes from Jesus. You know, I recognize that everything I have comes from him. And so regardless of my circumstances, I praise God. Regardless of my circumstances. In our poverty thinking, we do not praise God in our difficult times. We go, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, why am I lacking? Why isn't this thing going on? And as opposed to thanking God, we, we, we live from the lack. We all, I struggle with this at times. Lee and I were having a discussion a few weeks ago, and, and I, know I was stressed about something financially, and she's like, you're having a poverty mindset. You need to address that. And she was right. I didn't like it when she said that. <laughs> but she was 100% right. You know? And this mindset of generosity, this mindset, we, we, the only way to break this mindset is with generosity. You know, you can't break a poverty mindset. You know, God said, we, we taught on it so well last week, we've been building up to it, where he says in Malachi, like, look, test me. Test me and watch. You know, watch how I take care of things. Watch how heavens open up. You know, and again, in our, in our general first world microwave instant thinking, we think, okay, if I test God today, I'm going to get this big abundance tomorrow. No, it's not that. You know, it's, and it can't be, that's not, it's not prosperity gospel, put in a quarter, get back a hundred dollar bill. You know, it's not that at all. It's that a learning, a lifestyle of discipline, a lifestyle of surrender, a lifestyle of generosity, learning to see God way bigger than our mindset currently does. It's learning the bigness of God. Learning to see him as a provider. Learning to not worry. Learning to not live in fear. But learning to trust. You know? Learning to rejoice whether we have little or whether we have much. And learning to be aware of the needs of others around us. Being aware of what's going on and responsive to that still small voice that can say to us, you know, th this isn't even about tithing, this Corinthian scripture. This is about an offering. This is saying, hey, look, above and beyond the basic minimum, make this gift to these poor people. You know, and that lets us do that. You know, where we've got the tithing thing down and then we can go above and beyond because we've, we've figured out the bottom line and now we're able to live in the so much more. The reality is, is that the local church will never be effective without tithing. It can't function. It just can't function. We can't actually do what the scriptures say to do without it. The, the, and, and this city, let alone the nations, won't get reached unless we get this mentality that goes far beyond tithing. You know, where we recognize our lives belong to God. And that our resources are his. And we go, God, how do I use, how do I build up treasure in heaven with the treasure you've given me here on earth? How do I invest it eternally as opposed to spending it on myself? Doesn't mean you can't have good things. Doesn't mean you can't have nice things. Doesn't mean it's wrong if you have money. Because scripture also tells us it's good to build, to save it's good. You know, when you have a prosperity mindset, you actually are financially responsible. You know, 
that that prosperity mindset doesn't cause you to spend everything. It causes you to build up so that you have an overflow when there's a need there, you can give. It, you know, that there's, there's, there's stuff in the bank to be, able to, to be able to use. When we have that poverty mentality, we live paycheck to paycheck because we don't see the value or we live in fear of what we don't have. When we have that poverty mentality, we live spiritually empty as well because we're so focused on what we don't have that we don't spend time gazing into the eyes of Jesus, searching his word, you know, give, investing the time in growing in depth of who we are and allowing a well that overflows in us of authority and grace and power and love so that whatever God wants to do in and through us is possible. We're meant to be a community of people that live with a prosperity mentality in everything we do because we have a God of the universe that lives in us and backs everything. Will we have trouble? Absolutely. Will this world oppose us? 100%. Like we've been saying for the last few months, your priorities are going to be different than the world. The way you live will likely offend the world and people will take notice. They'll notice that you're loving and they'll be like, oh my goodness, I don't like that. It flies in the face of who I am. When your priorities are different, it flies in the face. It confronts. Our lifestyle should expose sin, not because we go around calling it out of people, but because people look at our lives and then they look at theirs and they see the vast difference of what it is. And they can praise God in heaven because they see God operating in and through our lives in power, you know, in love, in generosity, in all these things. So before we go and celebrate this generous meal, you know, and, and, and enjoy this Lord's Supper together, I just want to pray for us. Now, Lord, I just pray that these seeds sown, Lord, that they would, they would fall on, on ground that's prepared. And that you'd continue to water and grow them. Lord, would you expand our faith and our trust in you. Our belief in your bigness and your greatness. And our belief in you as a provider. Our belief in you. <laughs> that you would teach us how to manage our finances. You teach us how to manage our time. You teach us how to manage our resources in a way that brings honor to you as our king. That we'd be able to faithfully offer ourselves as a living sacrifice so that we would truly have our minds renewed and be able to, uh, to really know your true, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, I just I thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing in this community. And I thank you for the amazing future that we all have in you. May we have that multiplication mindset and not bury what you've given us in the sand. Amen. Mohit. All glory to God. Yeah, let's give one more time a clap offering to God. <laughs>